Good evening, Danica. Thank you so much for joining us on our very first episode of the Exponential Minds podcast. I am so excited to have you as my very first guest. This podcast is being developed as a part of my Master's of Education program at Memorial University, and it's in partial requirement of Education 6630 as a final submission. And I'm just super excited to talk to students like you who are relatively new post-secondary students, you know, been in post-secondary for the last year or two, and to reflect on their high school and early post-secondary experiences in the math classroom. So good evening. Good evening to you too. I'm really excited to be doing this with you. This is awesome. So would you mind introducing yourself and just telling me and our audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name's Danica. I'm a second year student at Memorial University and I'm currently doing a bachelor's of arts in French. Awesome, arts in French. So what, what inspired you to study that subject? Well, first I started off and I was doing a business degree and the business degree, the first year is very, do what you want and take only one business course. And I was like, oh, business seems cool. I'll do that. And then I was like, I'll do a French minor too, because I did the language all throughout high school. Ah. And then this semester when I started and I was taking five business courses, I realized that business was not for me. And I definitely excel more in doing French as it was something that I was interested in on like business. Very interesting. So we're going to delve a little bit deeper into that as we go this evening. I'm looking forward to getting down to, I guess, the nitty gritty as to why maybe you weren't into business. So are you taking any math courses this year, Danica? Uh, this semester, I'm not because I'm doing a minor in history along with my French course, but I had to do uh, math 1000. And I also did two quantitative reasoning courses. So I did economics 1010 and economics 1020 to uh, meet the requirements for my arts degree. Ah, fantastic. So there was some math required for the arts degree. It's nice to see that little crossover. Very often there's the misconception that math may be specifically for the sciences or professional degrees like engineering or specifically math degrees. But, you know, when you have to apply to an arts degree, that's very important. Um, what did you see as the benefits to those courses in your arts degree? I definitely found that they gave me a lot of critical thinking knowledge and it was more so of a learn the formula, apply the formula, then French is like, okay, you're going to write me an essay on where you would travel to if you could right now. And I found it was, I've, I've always enjoyed math, so I didn't mind doing the courses. And I, I like the critical thinking aspect of it. And I found that it played into my French because then it got me thinking more about how mathematical French can be because each verb tense has its own way of being conjugated. And I kind of put it together like a math puzzle. Oh, wow. What an interesting way of looking at it. So you brought up math puzzles, first of all. Is that something that you do in your leisure time or something that you've been exposed to in previous math courses? Um, we didn't really do much with puzzles per se, but I've always enjoyed doing like, I can do long division, like algebra, anything in that range of math. I've always enjoyed And like, if someone who's doing like math 1090 or they're doing a math course and they need some help, like I always tell my friends, like, I remember most things that I did. So like, feel free to contact me and I'll help you. <laughs> Amazing. That is fantastic to hear. Very often people are not as open to mathematics as you sound to be. So I'm excited to chat further on this. Um, so Danica, what do you feel your purpose is when you're in a math class? For the most part, I feel like I'm there to take notes. Like when I did math a thousand, I found it was really different compared to high school math. And in high school math, my teacher was like, have a booklet, we're gonna fill it out together. And then in university, I sat down and my professor would just write across the chalkboard for a full 50 minutes. And my purpose was there to take notes and leave class and learn them. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So this is, this is a stark contrast then. So in high school, you felt like it was more of a fill in the blank kind of step you through the process. And in university, you feel like it's try to get all the notes down. And do you feel like you need to kind of digest the material later? Or is that something that you're able to do while you're in the classroom? Oh, I got it. I got to take time after class. I have to sit back with my notes, reread them, search up other examples, because I find that in class, it's very, here's what you should do. Here's one example of it. Have fun learning it on your own. Okay, that's really interesting. Have you ever been in a math course where they offer math labs? Uh, no, I've only done math a thousand and that was just four times a week for 50 minutes. <laughs> okay, awesome. Now in high school, did you do anything? So you know how we have science labs very often, like you have your chemistry lab, your physics lab, your biology lab. Did you do any activities in math that you might've been able to classify as a laboratory activity? Let's say maybe a hands-on activity, something that was really authentic, real world learning, um, something where you could actually apply what you were writing in your notes booklet to a real problem. Yeah, in grade 12 advanced math, we did, I, I can't remember, we did all the like lines, curve sketching, um, that unit. Can't really mm -hmm. remember exactly what the name of it is, but we had to apply it so that all of our functions would make a picture. Oh. And then we got to color it in. I made a pretty butterfly out of mine. I know another friend who I think made a snowman in some abstract shape. It wasn't an actual snowman, but he called it a snowman. Okay, awesome. So did you get to choose which functions you plotted or were you given a bunch of functions that just created an image from the, the equations that you were provided? We got to completely do the whole project ourselves. Oh, that's really cool. I like the thought of this. Did you find that to be a productive experience? It did. I found that it helped me learn more about like the stops and endpoints of functions because like we had to apply all that. And it was also really hands-on too. Well, not hands-on, but like technologically implied because we had to use Desmos right. to make it. So I found that like I would classify that to be like a sensible lab that we did. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I really like that example for a number of reasons. First of all, again, it ties in art with math. So there's a bit of cross-curricular happening. It's hands-on. You got to design it yourself. So there's some student-centered, student-led learning happening. And of course, you get to identify the things that you're interested in, in whatever piece of art that you choose. So that's really neat. I enjoy that. Um, do you feel that you and your peers look forward to your math classes, either in post-secondary, or did you look forward to them in high school? In high school, I definitely did look forward to them because math was like probably one of my better subjects. And then when it got to university, it was kind of like, oh, I have to go to math again because it wasn't like the math that I experienced in high school. I didn't get the same. I'm going now and I'm actually going to learn what I have to learn in class and that'll be that. And then I'll have a test on it later on. It was I have to go to math class now for 15 minutes, sit there, take all of my notes because my professor didn't post them online. And then I have to go home for another two hours and I got to sit down and I have to learn math. Like it wasn't my style of learning. Fair. Now I'm, so. I'm really hearing a lot of interesting points here, including that you were excited to go to math in high school and not so much in post-secondary yeah. and the point about your style of learning. So first thing I want to touch on, what do you consider to be your style of learning? I find that I'm definitely more visual. If a professor can write out the example on the board and I, then I'll be able to follow them. But then I also like the auditory learning that comes with it because then as they're explaining, I feel like I'm absorbing it more. So, Incredible. and then I, if we had to ask me back in grade three, I would have told you I was a kinesthetic learner because I love to use all those little blocks to put all my hundreds and my tens and my ones together. <laughs> 
Right. And I think that's that's a common trend that I see in a lot of students of my own and, you know, people like you that I get to chat with casually. Um, generally, kids like the hands on learning. They like learning stations, things that are colorful and fun that they can play around with and mold into their own shapes. And then as we mature, I don't know if it's that it's a societal standard or if our actual learning styles change a little bit. That would be interesting to dive into a little deeper. But we do tend to go to the, the written side a little bit more, certainly with age. So that's kind I of feel like university definitely pushes the written style of learning on towards you because I mean if my prof had to try to design math like uh, stations for the whole class we'd never get through them all because I think in my lecture hall there was 130 of us right that's a valid point yeah with that many people that might be challenging I do recall when I did my undergraduate degree many moons ago now my goodness gracious um there was a math lab built into I don't know if it was math a thousand or 1001 or both however it was basically a two-hour slot once a week where we could go to do some extra help. And occasionally there would be some activities built into that. So I didn't know if that was something that was still offered or not. But it was definitely a beneficial experience for me as a student. So that's that's interesting. Um, one more thing you brought up, Danica. You talked about in high school how you were more inclined to math class. It was more exciting. You thought you were really good at it. So what was it about high school math class that excited you? I found it was enjoyable because my teacher enjoyed what she was teaching and she actually wanted us like she's like did you understand this concept before we move on and I find that same quality in a lot of my French teachers in university but I didn't find that when I was doing my uh, business degree because I found all the professors like well you don't know what learning on your own see you later wow Oh, I think you've really struck a nerve here with me. Okay, this is interesting because of course, as you know, my passion are the sciences and mathematics and being a physics and math teacher. You know, I, I am forever telling my kids how much I love doing what I do and I truly do. I mean, there's nothing that excites me more than my job. Um, but it's interesting that that's not translated or translating at the post-secondary level necessarily in those subjects. Hmm. Maybe something else to delve into. We're, we're coming up with all kinds of great topics, Danica. We could chat forever. Yeah. Um, okay. So you've already told me that you believe that you're reasonably good at math, or at least you did in high school. Yes? Yeah. I believe that I finished my advanced math course with a 95, and I got like, oh. I got above a 90 on the public. That's incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. You're most welcome. Why do you think you felt you had the ability to do well in math class? It was definitely because my teacher wanted me to do well. And they, I, well, I had three different math teachers throughout high school and each one of them took the time to say, I want to make sure that you know this material and that you feel that you feel comfortable doing the practice problems I'm assigning, the tests that we're gonna do. I wanna make sure that you have the knowledge to complete it to the best of your ability. And I found that that helped me a lot because it gave me a lot of self-confidence because I was like, you believe in me so I can believe in myself. I think you're saying so many incredible things right now, and you have more wisdom and knowledge than you realize for someone your age. This is really good material. Thank you, Danica. So next question then, because your teachers believed in you, did you feel comfortable when you made mistakes in math class? In high school, definitely. I confidently could shout out a wrong answer and not go, oh no, I just didn't, do, I didn't just do that in my class. But I definitely was more apprehensive to responding to questions in my university math class because there were so many people around me and it's definitely like the peer influence that you get because I mean, I have people from Corner Brook, from Gander, internationally. Like there was so many different people in my class that I didn't know. So like, I was like, oh, what are you gonna think of me if I mess up? 
Right. And then, I mean, in high school, I grew up in small town Clarenville. I mean, there's 20 people in my advanced math class. The 20 people, I know all their grandmothers. I know their grandfathers. I know everyone. So it didn't bother me. <laughs> Spoken like a true Newfoundlander. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways. Yes, I, I had never really thought about the massive difference between the high school classroom versus the post-secondary setting. But as you're telling me these stories, I can think back to being in those very same situations and feeling quite similarly. So these are great highlights. So does any discussion take place that you feel is productive about mistake making at the post-secondary level? So for example, if someone raised their hand and gave an incorrect answer to something that the professor posed to the class, would it be a positive or would it be kind of made a negative by the professor, do you feel? With the professor I had, he was very nice. He was a very sweet man. He, if you made a mistake, he would, I don't know how to put it so it makes sense, but he would be very kind about it, but it was almost like, why'd you get it wrong? <laughs> like, right. you should know it. <laughs> yes, okay, I understand exactly what you're saying. So in other words, it wasn't shunned or you know looked down upon, but they felt that you should be held to a higher standard. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So Danica, have you ever heard of the growth mindset before? Uh, I don't think so. So can you take a guess as to what gro growth mindset might mean? If I had to, it would probably be something regarding being more open to exploring new ways of learning, new ways of thinking within the classroom. I mean, you've pretty much nailed it right on the head. So it's kind of a concept that a researcher named Carol Dweck came up with. And to quote her, in a growth mindset, people believe that the most basic abilities can be developed through dedication and hard work. Brains and talent are just a starting point. This view creates a love of learning and a resilience that is essential for great accomplishment. So do you feel like the growth mindset is present in any of your math classes, whether that be in high school or at post-secondary? Definitely in high school. I can definitely see it being applied in high school. Post-secondary, not as much, because I find most of the props are like, here's the material, goodbye. Get Very it now. Interesting. Okay. So at the high school level, what were the signs and symbols within the class that made you feel as if the growth mindset might have been present? I found that my high school teachers were very adaptive to all styles of learning in the classroom. Like we did like the kinesthetic learning, we did auditory learning, visual, and they did want everyone to succeed. And I don't think I've ever received a negative comment from one of my high school teachers regarding how I would have done something on a test. It was always, you tried and I'm happy that you tried it, but let's try it this way this time. And I find that it relates very much back to coaching because right. you use the positive reinforcement and then you say, here's what we should improve. Excellent. So I was actually going to bring that up if you had been interested. Um, so Danica is a coaching partner of mine. We both coach figure skating together. And I was kind of getting around to asking if there was anywhere else in Danica's life where the growth mindset might apply. So she's already beaten me to the punch, of course. Uh, she's keen like that. But yes, absolutely. It is something that we believe in deeply as coaches and as educators in the classroom, for sure. That is something that we are working towards achieving as well. So this is great. I'm really glad that you recognize where it can be applied and where it has been applied in your education. That's super to hear. So I have one final question for you now, and it's a bit of a doozy. Are you ready for this one? Absolutely. All right. So if you could change one thing about the way your math classes run or ran in high school, what do you feel that would be? 
math class in high school, I don't think I would change anything. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was the class I looked forward to the most. In university, I definitely think it's something for Mun to look into of having smaller class sizes so you can get more one-on-one -on -one time with the prof. Because I found I'm just a number. I'm a student number to most of my profs that have the bigger course uh, attendance, like the, I think it was like 130 in math. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if my math class was smaller, I would find it easier to focus because I wouldn't be looking around, seeing who's in my class, seeing if I know is this person from here, that person from there. But I would sit down and I'd pay full attention to my prof. He would communicate with me. He would use my name. It engages me in the conversation more. And then I would overall have a better learning experience with the math course that I took. Okay, so you're suggesting smaller class size being number one. So you being the social butterfly that you are, what do you feel the optimum number of students in a room would be? Because I'm sure there's a balance between having enough people to be able to do activities or make the class worthwhile, having diverse participation, et cetera, um, and then, again, not being overwhelmed by the, the large population. So what do you feel a good number of students would be? I think somewhere around 30 or 40 would be okay. Most of my French classes, I think one class has 18 students and my prof knows all of her names. I get on class and she's like, oh, bonjour, Danica. And I'm like, oh, bonjour. And that's like, amazing. And then I think another one of my class, I think there's 32 students. So like, they're not big numbers. And like the profs genuinely care. Like they respond, like if I say, oh, hello, professor, this person. They will respond they're like, hi Danica, thank you for contacting me. And they can picture my face because we're always on the video call now with COVID. But even in the classroom then I had a really good French prop and she made sure she knew all of our names within the first week. Okay, so personalization is huge for you. Yeah. And again, it's something that I know that we prioritize in the grade school level classrooms, but that of course is much more manageable when you have classes that are 15, 20, 30, or even 40 students. When you're getting into the hundreds, that makes it much more challenging to be personal. And I think that really does tie back to growth mindset in that it's kind of hard to work with students and identify um, where they might need a little boost in confidence if you don't get to know them on a personal level. So this completely ties together your discussion with me today beautifully. And I want to thank you so, so much for your time this evening and for being our very first guest on Exponential Minds. Thank you very much for having me. Have a wonderful evening, and we hope to chat with you again soon. Good luck with your French degree. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye.